entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. The show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders. That's you, by the way, so you can inspire others. The Business Builder Show is distributed by C-Suite Radio. You can find our show and many other fine shows at c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. My guest today is Bob Langert. Hi, Bob. How are you, sir? Oh, great. How you doing, Marty? Great to be with you. I'm thrilled you're here. Bob Langert wrote a great book that I have read. It's called The Battle to Do Good. The subtitle is Inside McDonald's Sustainability Journey. Fascinating book, Bob. Job well done on it. I loved it. Oh, thanks. All right. Let me do a formal introduction. So Bob Langert, L-A-N-G-E-R-T, he led McDonald's corporate social responsibility and sustainability efforts for more than 25 years before retiring in 2015. Under Bob's leadership, the Golden Arches took on the chain's very vocal critics, we'll talk about some of them in a little bit, who were taking the company to task over issues like packaging, waste, recycling, obesity, deforestation, and animal welfare. Oh, those are heavy-duty topics, Bob. Oh, man. Instead of going on the defensive, Bob Langert opted to rise to the occasion and embark on a sustainability journey, and he decided to work with these critics to solve issues, these very hot-button issues. So, Bob Langert, again, welcome to the Business Builder Show. Here's the way I want to start. Boy, this sounds like a challenging journey. And you said in the introduction that I read that, um, well, let me ask it this way. So let's begin discussing what you mean by going from defense to offense in your work at McDonald's. Talk to me about that, Bob. Well, certainly when uh, our journey on sustainability started, it was all about defense. And I could tell you the headline there, it's no fun being on the defense and uh, reacting to everything. Our first issue for McDonald's was being attacked as a symbol of waste in the late 80s. Remember that polystyrene clamshell uh, that we had and people thought it was wasteful? And back in the late 80s, people thought we were running out of uh, space for garbage. So McDonald's was the lightning rod. McDonald's was never used to this. We had never been attacked for any societal issue. So when people were, were saying we're the bad guys, and by the way, Ronald McDonald was turned into like Ronald McToxic on uh, magazine covers. So, yeah. yeah, we were automatically put on the defense. And uh, that's how it began for the first uh, several years with these issues. You know, society comes at you being blamed for waste, uh, obesity, deforestation, and uh, I never, I always thought that that's not the way to be because uh, a company should be uh, way more proactive. Yeah. So I think our journey showed over time much better off being offensive, 
defining what you as a company stand for, set your own goals and objectives yeah. so that you are aligning what you, your purpose is for society with your, your business. Because the longer you play defense, the longer you're going to be reacting to crisis, spending too much money, time, coming up with solutions that don't work. Yeah. Yeah, you're always reacting as opposed to uh, being proactive. And as I listened to you and as I read your book and as I'm involved in a few different folks and uh, we've done several interviews on uh, conscious capitalism and those kind of things and the triple bottom line that you mentioned in your book. And so we think about that. But this whole idea of CSR or corporate social responsibility, 25 years ago or 20 years ago, this wasn't really talked about, right? It wasn't talked about. It wasn't a, a known function. There was no jobs for it. You know, I graduated in 1978. I started working for McDonald's in 1983. And uh, I was in charge of truck drivers uh, for McDonald's, getting the food and packaging delivered to the restaurants. And uh, I, just like any other company during the, uh, the 80s, we're just kind of doing our business, you know, living within the four walls of our business. But lo and behold, yeah, really, society started to change for a lot of companies in the late 80s. For us, I mentioned it was being a symbol of waste. And all of a sudden, within McDonald's, we had nobody that could work on these issues. We had no expertise on packaging, waste, the environment. And so uh, somebody just saw me and what I did. I don't know why they picked me out, uh, <laughs> Marty, but they said, uh, hey, do you want this temporary job of figuring out the environment for McDonald's? And I said, <laughs> yes. And it ended up being a 30-year career that has uh, been the best thing that ever happened to me. So I want to ask, if you knew then what you know now, would you have accepted that job? Because that turned knowing, out to be a huge job, man. Well, knowing what I know now, I wish I would have done it 10 years earlier. Because ah. I'm telling you, Marty, there's nothing better ah. than working for a big brand like McDonald's. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. I'm given the keys. I'm giving a job, and I'm putting job in quotations, where my job is to come in and do good for the company every day for society. Yeah. And uh, I, it's just so enriching. So when I can work on reducing waste and creating an animal welfare program or working with Greenpeace on saving the Amazon, yeah. my goodness, that is such a, a great job I had. Yeah. I, I do it in a heartbeat. Well, you know, back then when you started, McDonald's was loved. McDonald's is still loved. Um but uh, the different, uh, in some cases, extremists, in some cases, radicals, um, they, they attacked you guys, and sometimes um, maybe legitimately, sometimes wrongly. But you talk a lot about NGOs, non-governmental organizations, that you work with. So talk to me a little bit about that. On, again, you have so much in the book, so pick out one or two uh, things that you want to talk about in terms of working with them. You, you actually were advocates together in, in several cases, right? Yeah, maybe I'll tell you the, uh, the Greenpeace story, because I think Good. that's very unlikely. I mean, I've never had a, a positive view of Greenpeace, especially from the American experience, you know, thinking that they're radical, they're over the top. They're just a campaigning group that wants to draw attention, make money, get funds for their cause. Yeah. But they're not, they're not really a group that I thought in my mind was a group that you could actually collaborate on a solution. So mm. they, they attacked McDonald's in 2006. Mm. It was all about this report they put out called, called Eating Up the Amazon. And really briefly, uh, they, they, uh, to get attention, they showed up in restaurants, uh, dozens of restaurants in the United Kingdom dressed up in chicken suits. Yeah. So imagine these people dressed up in chicken suits having breakfast and reading the paper at McDonald's. Well, they got tons of attention. Yeah. They, they got our attention at McDonald's. And mm -hmm. what's really interesting here is that the issue that they were advocating for, you talked about earlier, sometimes we were attacked uh, unreasonably, but all, 
oftentimes we were attacked on issues that actually were legitimate. Mm -hmm. So in this case here, once I talked to the experts on it that knew what they were talking about, they said, well, Greenpeace is right. Uh, there is too much soy being grown in Brazil that's cutting down the Amazon. Soy is exported to Europe for chicken feed that goes into chickens that go into chicken McNuggets for McDonald's. Mm. Anyway, that's real quickly uh, the connection. So they're just using McDonald's as a way to get attention for a legitimate cause. So what's a company to do? We decided, you know what? Most companies might put their head in the sand, ignore it. They would say they're a small part of the problem. Go on to somebody else. They put out a benign you know, corporate statement. Uh, we said, you know what? It's a legitimate issue. I call them up. And since we already had a, a, a policy about not buying beef from recently deforested Amazon areas, we said we'd like to do the same for soy. But I told Greenpeace, while we agree with you, your solutions of mandating McDonald's do this, this, that, and the other mm -hmm. is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But if we band together, get other retailers to join in arms, we can get our big supplier Cargill, a very important supplier to McDonald's, yes, and a big trader in Brazil, and Cargill ended up agreeing to help us solve the problem. Can you believe by collaborating, and Greenpeace said yes to collaborating versus you know mandating. So yeah. within three months' time, a whole moratorium was announced on these practices by wow. the soy industry themselves. Wow. Yeah. So that tells you that uh, it's amazing what you can do by working together, sometimes with very unlikely uh, enemies that you thought were enemies, but you end up, I traveled with them for nine days in the Amazon, Marty. Yeah. I and they were the nicest people in the world. Yeah. And uh, so it's amazing how you can cut down those stereotypes once you start working together. I know we already have your attention, folks. The book is The Battle to Do Good. Subtitle is Inside McDonald's Sustainability Journey. Uh, the author of the book and who we're speaking to is Bob Langert, L-A-N-G-E-R-T. Um, Bob, I know I can get you on Twitter and LinkedIn. Is there any other ways we, you want our audience to connect with you? My website, BobLangert.com. There you go, BobLangert.com, L-A-N-G-E-R-T. Okay, so, yeah, you the book is filled with stories. You wrote it really well. Um, it could have been really difficult to read. It was not, but you had so many details in there, and we can't cover everything. So I'm going to go here. Uh, you wrote the book, so I know you can answer me. So I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at my filet fish sandwich that I got last Friday. Uh -huh. And on the side of the package, it says, The Bering Sea sends its regards, wild-caught Alaskan pollock. And then there's this label that says, Certified Sustainable Seafood. There's a story behind that. Would you like to share it? I would love to share it, and I'm so glad that you're eating one of McDonald's sustainable food products. And I mean, not, can, not can you imagine that? And, Bob, not only that, but I want to give a shout-out to my local McDonald's on, on North Kaiser Avenue in Scranton, Pennsylvania, number 935. They do a great job. I love going there. <laughs> and uh, the fish sandwich is one of our best. Yeah. So, so tell me that story. Here's how that one started. We uh, our the guy in charge of buying fish from McDonald's, his name was Gary Johnson, back in about 2001, he saw areas of the world where all of a sudden the, 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 the white fish that we needed and the cod that we needed. If you remember in the Northeast, uh, New England, yeah. cod was destroyed. Big as a, problem, yeah. A big problem in the 80s. So he said to me, Bob, can you help me create a sustainable fish program? Because I'm concerned about having fish on a menu in the future. I want it to be sustainable. So we uh, have an annual fish forum meeting where our primary fish suppliers, about five of them around the world, come in. 
So we said, you know what, we're going to invite an NGO called Conservation International, by the way, a very reasonable scientific group Mm -hmm. to come in. We want them to partner to develop a science-based way of buying sustainable fish from McDonald's. Again, this is way ahead of our time Mm -hmm. of sustainability back in about 2001. What was really interesting is that our fish suppliers said, hell no, do not bring in this radical NGO group. They call them radical because they didn't know better. Yeah. Uh, and it is thought all these NGOs, you know, at the time, McDonald's was getting broken windows from radical groups uh, protesting anti-globalization. McDonald's is such a target on so many things. Yeah. And uh, but, you know, to our credit, we said, you know what, you're going to meet with Conservation International, whether you like it or not. Before you know it, our fish suppliers got with the, uh, the, the head fish expert from Conservation International. They became best friends. They developed a, a very deep scorecard and measurements to have uh, red, yellow, and green. Green being very sustainable, red being uh, danger zones. Mm-hmm. We had a way of measuring it. We uh, started to make moves in our fish to make it more sustainable. We mush- we changed a lot of the cod that we purchased from Russia into other areas of the world. And uh, we started to explore the use of the Marine Stewardship Council, which is a uh, legitimate, credible, scientific way of certifying that you have uh, sustainable fish. Lo and behold, it took about 10 years. None of these changes, you know, happen overnight. But lo and behold, you know, by 2011 or so, we're serving sustainable fish to people like you in our restaurants Amazing. And, it's telling, and telling the customers that we're doing it as well. And, and by the way, the same story happened with coffee. Almost all the espresso coffee that you're drinking at McDonald's is Rainforest Alliance certified. So who would think that McDonald's, who's known, I mean, I think we're known for a you know, good place to go. It's clean. It's a good value. But you know what? We're making sustainability on the agenda and the menu as well. And you're doing a great job. Again, the book is The Battle to Do Good by Bob Langert. So you're talking McDonald's. I have two questions. It seems to me that McDonald's was kind of a lightning rod for some of these issues, uh, just by your mere size. So was that the truth? And how did the work that you do affect the rest of the food industry? Then I'll save my second question for a minute. Answer that one if you can. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're we're targeted uh, in in some ways because – we're a good company that listens and reacts to society. I think in some ways it's a compliment that we're, uh, we're, we're attacked. I mean, is, if, if a group has a cause they're going to promulgate out there, are they going to go to number two, number three? Are they going to go to some supplier that's yeah. hidden behind the scenes? No, they're going to go to a McDonald's, a brand that's in 37,000 places, that's yeah. in 120 countries, that serves 70 million people a day. So, yes. That's a, uh, that's a good target. That's a good target, no, Bob. <laughs> yeah. And why not? Yeah. Why not be the leader? And along with being a yeah. leader, you are a target. And your second part of your question, though, which is a great question, is that when McDonald's makes a change, the ripple effect is enormous. Yeah. I mean, if we just take one inch off a straw, we're saving three million tons of waste a year. Wow. If we create an animal welfare program for uh, which we did with a, a very famous uh, animal scientist called Dr. Temple Grandin. Not sure if we have time to tell that story, but yeah, we worked with this uh, great scientist. She was autistic, uh, probably the most inspirational leader I ever worked with. And we made animal welfare standards a, a part of the whole meat industry. Again, not just for McDonald's, not just for fast food, but for food and meat across the globe yeah. for everybody. Yeah. I found that really important in the book. And it, I, Again, I always spend time in the food industry and the distribution side of it. 
So I, I kind of knew a little bit, but uh, your book was so informational uh, to me and helpful. And I, I did recognize how, uh, I guess you call it the ripple effect, uh, you know, you're taking the lead and playing offense with these NGOs and, and doing it collaboratively. So here's another question that popped into my brain while you're speaking. So we're talking McDonald's. Should smaller companies be concerned and be thinking about the same kind of issues that you're talking about, sustainability and all that kind of thought process? And is it good for business? Yes and yes. And uh, the reason that smaller companies or mid-sized companies need to be getting on board quickly now, because, yeah, I think right now the big companies are, are taking the lead. But sustainability is being integrated into uh company after company, especially in supply chains. Yeah. And so what I mean by that is you take the Walmarts and the Unilevers and the, the Nikes, you know, all these big brands, but they're sustainable. They're making their supply chain sustainable. And uh, probably a lot of listeners here, they might be in charge of a, a, a company that's providing a product or a service to these larger mm-hmm. companies. And they're being demanded mm-hmm. now by these bigger companies. So if you want to be attractive and gain new customers, you know, business to business or even business to consumer. This is something that, this is the message that you just asked me about. It's good for business. Yeah. Why not work on sustainability, especially if, if you define it on your own terms? Because I always looked at sustainability as a way to grow to business. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditionally, people looked at it as kind of risk management, staying out of trouble. But if you can connect with consumers, make your brand more relevant, if you can get better people to work for you and want to stay with you if you can have a more reliable supply chain. We had, we, I'll give you an example of good for business. We developed an environmental scorecard for our suppliers that measured waste, water, and energy. Beautiful. And we also asked them to uh, report to us the financial savings per year. And we were getting reports annually of 30 to $40 million of savings. So I'm not saying that everything that you do on sustainability that you save money, but it's a balancing act. You need to invest yep. into something that yep. more and more consumers really care about. Well, I think there's another part to that, Bob. I'm see if you agree with me. Is in terms of recruiting people, especially yes. millennials. I mean they they like these kinds of things. They want for they want to work for companies that talk about the triple bottom line and sustainability. Uh, did you find that out or find that to be true? Do you agree with me? I agree with you on that. Our, uh, our head of HR often told me that that's one of the first questions that recruiters got for even people coming to McDonald's in some sort of management position is, what's your position on all these societal issues? Yeah. You know that there's a group called, uh, there's a whole bunch of people studying sustainability in schools now. Almost every school mm-hmm. has a sustainability curriculum. Yeah. Uh, they have clubs. Uh McDonald's today, you know, I was a lone ranger. I, my department of sustainability at McDonald's was probably one person, three person, five person for most of my time. Today, McDonald's has got 38 people that wow. work on sustainability. So wow. it's gone from the beginning of our discussion, not even a, what is it, to something that is really advanced, really yeah. meaningful. And uh, yes, I think younger people are going to make a big difference more yeah, and more in the it, future. It's a great recruiting tool, and uh, more and more companies are doing that. Uh, so it's important. So um, you uh, at McDonald's, you often talk about the secret sauce. So is there a secret sauce to make changes that for big and small companies? And I think you have those. I think they all start with P. So you want to talk to me about that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the secret, uh, the secret sauce I often think is, you know, how to be influential as well. Uh. 
the uh, but I think you're referring to the, Patient, the three P's. Pa- yeah, that I, patient, that I learned from Dr. Temple Grandin. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think these three P's, I, I thought of them as my kind of mantra towards my everyday work. And uh, the first one is having the passion. Uh, certainly people that work on uh, sustainability like me, I think we kind of come to it with a lot of passion. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you can maybe sense that. In some ways, I think people need to kind of tamp down their passion because yeah. in a business context, I always wanted my business leaders to see me as a business person first. Got it. A sustainability person, a second person, second. Got it. But then you need to be uh, really, really patient because, you know, you, you can't be pushing your agenda on other people. You got to kind of bring people along and be patient. On the other hand, every day you got to be persistent. You got to move the needle. It's like playing a chess game. How can I make sustainable beef go from A to B to C and, and certain days? So now when you think about being passionate and patient and persistent and you try to do that every day, it almost seems like it's uh, you're going to be schizophrenic. Uh, uh, however, that's what I believe in. That's yeah. what makes you successful. Yeah. And again, uh, my guest is Bob Langert, L-A-N-G-E-R-T. You can find him on his website, boblangert.com. Yes, he is on Twitter. Uh, it's at Bob Langert, L-A-N-G-E-R-T. I keep spelling the name so they can find you. So we uh, need to kind of wind up or, you know, end the, end the interview here. I'm looking at my, uh, my filet fish container and saying, thinking I'm hungry. And we're drinking McDonald's coffee, by the way, here. So this is one giant commercial for, for, for McDonald's. But I know there's so much to talk about, Bob. It's unfair. Uh, but I'm going to call on you to point out something that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure that people know about your message, the, the battle to do good. Talk to me about that. Well, my main message is that uh, sustainability is here to stay it's, uh, and that it's good for business and that we really need to transition from perceiving it as a, as a, a battle to do good in, in, in terms of it really should turn into more of a uh, good for business. And uh, so that's the journey that when McDonald's went on. And I think that people can uh, learn a lot from my, my book. Uh, each each of the chapters has. Uh, what did you think of my hard knock nuggets? I loved it, Marty. Yeah, at the, at end, the end of, of the, at the end of each chapter, I loved it. I thought thought it was great. So I tried to pass on uh, uh, wisdom, not just from me. And by the way, that's the other thing I want to say about the book. It's not a memoir. It's not the story of Bob Langer at all. It's really more the story of McDonald's. Yeah. And I interviewed close to sixty people that I profile in the book and. People that I admire so much within McDonald's, our suppliers and, and the uh, nonprofit groups that we worked with. I, I tell you what, uh, this stuff is its a wonderful feel. And I think for people that are on the uh, edge and, and kind of skeptical of corporate social responsibility that might be listening to this, Marty, I'd like them to think differently after considering my book and, and reading it and realize that you can be a phenomenal business success and play a leading role in society that both go hand in hand. I don't think of a stronger way to close than that. So, Bob, thank you so much for being part of the Business Builder Show. Again, Bob's book is The Battle to Do Good, Inside McDonald's Sustainability Journey, and, and Bob was inside. Great book. Congratulations, Bob. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Reminding you to find all our shows and many other great shows on C-Suite Radio. That's c-suiteradio.com. On behalf of myself, Marty Wolf, your host, and D.C. Taylor, my executive producer, thank you for listening to the Business Builder Show, but stay tuned for information on how you can become part of the C-Suite Network. 
bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. As a loyal fan of this C-Suite radio show, we've got an unbelievable offer for you. Listeners to the Business Builders Show get 50% off a C-Suite Network membership. The C-Suite Network will help you become the most strategic person in the room. You'll have access to top-notch benefits and networking, all helping you get the most out of your position. Take advantage of this limited-time offer today. Learn more about the C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR. Again, that's 50% off a C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR.